To the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman for our Wednesday edition. And uh, Bruce, as we're recording this, the news is getting out that the Big Ten, sort of as expected, although I guess we didn't know for sure, um, they lost Ohio State Michigan this week. That means Ohio State is ineligible for the Big Ten title game by not getting to six games, so they are going to change that rule. No six-game minimum. The Buckeyes will be able to play. Controversy everywhere. I don't know. What do you think? I would ask you this. So this is something I, I do uh, Big Ten Network on Tuesday nights after the rating show with Dave Revson. And he had asked me, do you think there's actually much difference in the CFP's eyes whether Ohio State were to beat Northwestern on the 19th or whether it would beat Iowa? And I honestly don't think there's really any difference there because to me, they're going to have the same number of wins at that point in the committee's eyes. I feel like I was pretty much this every bit looked at similarly to Northwestern, which is a good team, but certainly not a great team. And to me, what the one scenario barring a, a Buckeye loss that I think could push them out of the playoff is if Florida beats Alabama. Because I still think Alabama's going regardless because people are going to look at them with the wins they have and the way they've looked in the committee as as a clear playoff team. You know, if, if Notre Dame ends up splitting with Clemson and Notre Dame doesn't get blown out, they still have a win over Clemson and they have a pretty good resume. I think it, I don't think Notre Dame would get snubbed for the Buckeyes. Do you disagree? No, I agree. The more I've thought about this since the rankings Tuesday, I don't think whether Ohio State plays in the Big Ten title game or not has much bearing at all on whether they make the playoff because that is a tiebreaker that is used if you're comparing two teams and one won the championship and one didn't. And there's that's not the scenario we're looking at here. The teams that they would be compared to are Texas A&M, who's not going to win the SEC, or Notre Dame if they lose the ACC title game, or Alabama if they lose the SEC title game. So to me, this the Big Ten making this decision, I know that we've spent you know oodles and oodles of time talking about the CFP implications, but I actually think it just comes down to an acknowledgement that their championship game, which is a, a big deal uh, for the conference, for TV, for the teams involved, just wouldn't be seen as legitimate if the team that everybody realizes or everybody acknowledges is the best team, a team that already beat Indiana, is not in the game. So I think correcting that and making sure that your your championship game is viewed as not viewed as illegitimate is is really more of a to me at least more of a driving factor than the CFP implications. Yeah, and I think you laid it out well because they do have a win over Indiana. If that game didn't happen. I think it might be might be a little feel a little different, but as you said, in that regard, and they are going to get relatively close to that threshold that they had created anyway, because it looks like there's going to be more cancellations this week. Obviously, uh, Michigan and Ohio State's already been off, um, so uh, 
Yeah. So going forward on this, and I, I do think a lot of this Tuesday night show has been feels like it's manufactured drama. We did talk a little bit about this on Sunday. Uh, I was not shocked, but a little bit, I guess, disappointed to see Coastal Carolina sitting only at 13. They beat a good BYU team, and they beat a Louisiana team that has a 17-point win over the top-ranked team in the Big 12, Iowa State, who, by the way, is number seven in the poll. I don't understand that dynamic. On top of it, Georgia's still there. Georgia's still in the top 10, and their best win is now over a four-loss Auburn team. And everybody else Georgia has played, has beaten, has losing records. I mean, I feel like Georgia's the the dead horse I've been beating here. But again, I think this is kind of into the ether of what's of how the CFP is kind of evaluating teams, right? Um, so I think I don't know. Like I said, it's not shocking, but again, the fact that Iowa State is so high, given even with Louisiana beating them head to head by seventeen in Ames, Iowa. I mean, it happened this year. It wasn't like it happened two years ago or anything. That was a puzzling thing. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to ask you is, is there any possibility you could see that could get Texas A&M into the playoff? Yeah, I mean, the path is pretty clear for A&M, isn't it? I mean, if Notre Dame beats Clemson and, uh, you know, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, Alabama beats Florida, then you've got Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas A&M. Or if Notre Dame uh, loses to Clemson, even if those teams both go in, you know, then you need Ohio State to lose to Northwestern. But they're right there on the brink. Two questions for you on this. Yeah. One, if Notre Dame beats Clemson like in an overtime game, no, Clemson's out. Two losses, you think they're out? Yes. Okay. You and had two sec- chances to get your signature win, and you didn't win either one. The second part of this is Florida beats Alabama. Um, Florida beats Alabama and Notre Dame beats Clemson. Florida would be obviously SEC champ. Texas A&M would have beaten the SEC champ, would have had one loss. Any chance that there's three SEC teams in and Notre Dame and that the committee snubs Ohio State? Um, no, I don't think so. Not if Ohio State's undefeated, because if Florida beats Alabama, Alabama's not falling out. Uh, I know, but I'm just saying they're, they're if you're a lock, if and A&M's an not going to push ahead of Alabama because of the blowout loss. No, but they would have beaten the SEC champs, and they would only have one loss. I could see A&M fe- folks feeling like they're more deserving than an Ohio State team. That would have had, I guess it would be what six and zero, um, with only two wins over winning, you know, teams. And look, I, I think it helped them that Indiana did beat, even without Michael Penix Jr. did beat Wisconsin last week. But again, I think that I could see there being some push there from them. But yeah, I you could. Yeah, I no, you you would absolutely see it. I mean, our friend Billy Lucci at Texags would like storm the the meetings in Dallas to, to, to protest. But uh, if Ohio, you have to, if Ohio, if the committee has Ohio state 
As of this moment, the committee believes Ohio State's a better team than Texas A&M. All that can happen between now and the end of the season is Ohio State is going to get a chance to beat a top 15 Northwestern team. Texas A&M is going to play Tennessee. So what's what's what would cause the committee to change their mind and say A&M is better than Ohio State? Just the fact that the team they beat would be the SEC champ. Yeah, so you're basically saying like, oh, and let's go back and reward them retroact- more retroactively for that. Um, that, that. No, I just don't see that happening because Florida would be the SEC champ. They would have beaten both uh, Alabama and Georgia, so two top 10 wins for them, whereas A&M's win over Florida would be their only top 10 win. And then... I just think that you, it's hard to get over the 52-24. We've seen the committee hold that against uh, teams before when they've had, like Ohio State's law, missed out because they had lopsided losses. Um, I do know one team that whose hopes died on Tuesday night, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, look, I like Ohio, uh, Iowa State. I like Matt Campbell. I like Brock Purdy. I like Brees Hall. They are not the seventh best team in the country. And to your point earlier about Coastal, uh, I said before the season or at some point early on that with the lack of non-conference games this year, even more than usual conference affiliation, you know, the general perception respect level for the conference was going to play a big part. The part that puzzles me is that the big 12 was the, the conference that actually did play some, some teams with a pulse out of conference and lost those games. Louisiana beat Iowa State, Arkansas State beat Kansas State, Coastal beat Kansas, and it's like it never happened. Uh, now, I know it was the first game of the season. Teams get better, teams get worse. But if you listen to Gary Barta, who, funnily, funny enough, is the, is the AD of their rival school, I mean, he gushes about Iowa State in the way that like we might gush about uh, Alabama. And if you look at Iowa State's season... They, they beat Oklahoma. All credit in the world, they, they beat Oklahoma. That's their, their signature win. But in the last two weeks, they won on the road against a Texas team that we think is okay, not great, by a field goal. And then they beat a 500 West Virginia team at home soundly. And in doing so, they've moved up six spots. And, in, in, and Cincinnati's moved down. Uh, is there any real scenario short of... Tennessee knocking off Texas A&M, assuming that game happens, for Cincinnati to get in. Because here's what here's the only scenario I could see. This is a drawn out as could be, but Alabama wins handily in the SEC title game. Notre Dame beats Clemson, so Clemson's out. Uh, I guess Ohio State would have to lose the Big Ten title, so now you're down to basically Notre Dame and Alabama in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume the winner of the Big 12, because of the way the committee had played it, if it's Oklahoma with two losses or Iowa State with two losses, is gonna would would then get in, and then is Cincinnati if they beat Tulsa your your fourth team? Boy, I've lost track of this. I guess I would say if Ohio State, I mean, if they're gonna put a two loss Big, Big 12, 12 champion yeah. over an undefeated uh, AAC team, then why wouldn't they put in uh, two loss? Clemson. Oh, man, if if that's the case, if I'm Cincinnati after after they would have lost to the same team twice, 
Um, you know, I mean, these are this is remote. First of all, to think that you know, could Notre Dame be Clemson again? Sure. Could Ohio State get knocked off by Northwestern in the Big Ten title game? Maybe. Could Texas A and M lose to Tennessee? That seems Ugh. the least likely. That does seem like the least likely scenario. Um, but all those things would have to happen. And even then, I think you're you know you're looking at a Big Twelve champ getting in with two losses. I mean, if I'm Cincinnati, it's like they have. I mean, you know, like zero, almost zero percent chance of getting in. Tuesday night was the was the just like they did with UCF. Tuesday night was the night that they said. You know, thanks for your now. Cincinnati lost a chance to for a top twenty five win this week, having to cancel the Tulsa game. They're going to play. But they're going to play Tulsa next week. They are, but it's the difference between saying you had two more than one more. But either way, yeah, this was the committee's way of saying congratulations on your great season. You will not go higher than this. You it's have reached, you have reached your ceiling. You are a group of five team as who has not beaten any teams we have in the top twenty five. So you're you're done here. And uh, we're even going to move a two-loss Big 12 team that lost by 17 to a Sunbelt team ahead of you. I mean, it, it's interesting. Do you think it is that, um, what's the right word, that that direct, meaning like purposefully slotted that to basically make that point saying, all right, because they're in that room for a long time to think, okay, you're Cincinnati. Here's the message we're sending to you. No matter what, there is going to be a two-loss Big 12 title team that will be put, you know, in position above you, no matter what. Because, again, all those things happen. Like, let's say that Iowa State was ranked below Cincinnati. Iowa State was eight. Cincinnati was seven. Then the the scenario, to me, isn't quite as far-fetched where, okay, I mean, I definitely expect Alabama to win. I don't I'm not sure I would pick Notre Dame to win, but it wouldn't shock me. Right? So the, there's two. Then you let's say Ohio State wins, there's three. Um and then it's the Texas A&M thing that's still like you said, both of us don't think that's going to happen that they're going to lose. But at least at that point, it's not you need Ohio State A&M and then you still have no chance. Again, I mean, I think we're going down this rabbit hole, but it's just to me, I'm, I'm curious of their process of sticking, as you said, Iowa State above Cincinnati at this point. Because, look, they could make that case that I, if Iowa State were to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, the way Oklahoma's played in the last month or so, then, yeah, maybe then they would leapfrog Cincinnati. But to stick them there now, I thought was was an interesting, if not um, yeah, not so subtle maneuver. I guess it just depends on if you know what, how much of a conspiracy theorist you're. I don't think they sat. I, to be clear, I don't actually think that Gary Barda and uh, who else is on there these days, RC Slocum, I sat in a room and said, "Oh, we can't have a AAC team. Let's just go ahead and shoot that down now." I think it's more that first of all, Cincinnati hasn't played since November 21st. They lost their Temple game, then they were off, and now they've lost the Tulsa game. And during that time, Iowa State has played and beaten, you know, has two, two Corny and Gabardis have very, two very impressive wins. And so I just think at this point in the season, they're stacking the schedules next to each other. They clearly have more respect for kind of average Big 12 teams versus average AAC teams. And they're just like, yeah, we, we think Iowa State's better because they've beaten teams like Texas and Oklahoma, whereas Cincinnati's wins are against teams like SMU and Memphis and Houston and just 
just don't they just don't believe deep down that a that a, that a group of five team uh it, it, you know is playing a better skip playing comparable schedule to a power five team you know we've spent all this time dissecting it at the end of the day i think this is there's really no almost no suspense to this cfp race i think the only thing that would would throw a curveball is if florida beat alabama i don't think florida is going to beat alabama uh, i just i think florida is really good they their defense is not good and they're playing the scariest offense in college football so short of that, I think, you know, we could tell, say, sit here and say right now that, and I don't think Northwestern is going to beat Ohio State. God bless my alma mater, but that could be like 42 to 7. So, I mean, I think three of the teams are decided. It's going to be Alabama, Notre Dame. Even if Ohio, Ohio State is down uh, four offensive linemen? Yeah, it didn't seem to, to, to make a difference against Michigan State. No, it didn't. I mean, Northwestern, yeah. The Northwestern, I mean, their defense is really good. Maybe they'll... Maybe they'll slow down Justin Fields and those guys a little bit, but Northwestern can't score. I mean, they they have Peyton Ramsey is an upgrade over who they had, but he's still got a ceiling. They have one receiver of any note and not much to speak for in the backfield. So they basically have to hold everybody to 17 points to win. By the way, your your alma mater did give up 29 points to Rocky Lombardi in Michigan State, that defense you were talking about. Yeah, they uh, they gave up like a seventy five yard run, I think, on the first play or the first drive. They actually got the lead back in that game and then gave up a couple field goals. So, but they couldn't get off the field on third down either. So they didn't have a great game, which does not, which is why I just said they're probably going to lose by a, a very lopsided margin to Ohio State. And so because of that, I'm sitting here saying Alabama Sharpie, as Seth Davis would say, Notre Dame pretty close to Sharpie. Ohio State, based on what they've said to this point, Sharpie. And then it's just like, is, you know, the Notre Dame-Clemson result. If, if Notre Dame wins, then no Clemson. If Clemson wins, then both of them. Um, the only real suspense is basically, will Notre Dame win and let A&M move up? Okay. Anything else? Um, just... Just how do you, I mean, I just, just, we, we, we alluded to it at the beginning, but do you, is, is this really all that controversial, what the Big Ten is doing? I mean, on the, in a normal year, if they change the rules at the 11th hour and, and seem to be playing clear favorites to, you know, the big brand name team, everybody would go, you know, everybody would go crazy. I'm having a hard time getting worked up about it. I just, especially after the ACC bent their own rules on behalf of Clemson and Notre Dame um, in a year where matchups are being created on the fly and we're just kind of all making this up as it goes along. I mean, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. You don't want to have a championship game without your best team. Can I ask you a, a spin-it-forward thing? Because I agree with what you said, but do you think now there will be more momentum for the Big Ten, which clearly positioned this move, um, in hopes of helping their cause in the playoff would say, okay, we have a different criteria for players who test positive. They're out a minimum of 21 days. That could be a real factor with the playoff. They're, you know, assuming that Ohio state would be one of four teams. They would be operating by a different set of standards and rules than the other three teams. Do you, would you be at all surprised if the big 10, uh, switched that rule too. 
No, I wouldn't be surprised if they switched that rule. Uh, but part of that is the CDC just changed their guidelines on how long people should quarantine. Um, and some of those schools are starting to some, I think some schools, basically you have to, now your own municipality has to adapt that. But, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that gives you a, if you're, you're saying you think they would change it just to not be at a disadvantage in the playoff, but there is a, a health recommendation they can fall back on to justify it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's something probably to keep an eye on. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I'm not saying I'm hearing there's a lot of traction for it. But at this point, I think that's something, you know, we'll see if it goes in that direction. I would just say in general, like, like I, I, I've gotten a lot of flack in the last 24 hours from Nebraska fans. Nebraska fans are, are just so... What have you done now? What I, have you done? All I did was say, you guys were right. Uh-huh. You know, you should have, when they... When they tried to play the non-conference game and got shot down. The statement they put out at the time said that they were doing this in part because they thought it would benefit the rest of the Big Ten who might need it at some point for a playoff or bowl data point. So they were 100% right. You guys were right. You shouldn't have gotten the flack that you did. But for some reason, that's not enough. I need to like atone for all of the negative comments that anybody in the media ever made about Nebraska in the last three months. And I would just say, like, we know more now than we did then. No, Everybody's just been trying to figure out how to manage this. And in September, I'm sure in September when the Big Ten put that minimum rule in, they never thought they would have to actually use, invoke it, right? Like, oh, we're not going to have eight gazillion games canceled. We have daily antigen tests. That's the answer. Um, nobody, nobody knew how this was going to play out. And so as more information comes in, as, as you have more experience with this, you have to adapt. It's just that adapt is the adapt, flexible, you know, words like that are, are what 2020 is all about. And, and as we wrap up here, Bruce, it just literally came into my inbox that Indiana and Purdue have mutually agreed to cancel the old Oaken Bucket game this week due to rising COVID numbers at both schools, um, which means that for all the everything we just talked about, Ohio State, and whether that was right to do it or not, I don't, I don't know if Indiana even, would even be able to play in the Big Ten title game next week, depending on how this situation, how their situation um, arises ho- or goes, goes forward. Hopefully, because, you know, the Big Ten hasn't even announced who's playing whom next week. Hopefully they can, hopefully that's one of those games they can reschedule for next week. Right. And so you have two of the, two of the greatest rivalries in the Midwest, obviously, Ones that go back 100-plus years, certainly the old Oaken Bucket game as well as the Michigan-Ohio State game, not happening this weekend. And that's that's just a reality of 2020. It's rough. Um, but you just have to, I guess you just, like, you know, Ohio State-Michigan not happening is just one of those things that you would never in a million years would, would think we could play a college football season and not have that game. But that's where we are, and we just have to, as I wrote about at the end of the mailbag, we just have to feel fortunate that we're getting as much college football as we are, um, given where the virus is in this country right now. Yeah, look, I mean, it's almost mid-December. We're talking about a playoff happening, and obviously it's going to be a little, you know, different with either no fans at the Rose Bowl or very almost no fans at a lot of other venues, but um, we're close to the finish line. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think we're in, you know, like one of the things that, that 
I kind of scratch, you know, scratch my head about is like, oh man, it's like mid-December. Part of me feels like, and this is also a function of living in a place much different than where I grew up, where it's like not a cold, you know, it's not cold in December and you don't get much seasons, but like, it's still a little bit like, it still feels like, um, you know, it's like September, October, you know, in this. And it's just been, just been, you know, as I think about it, I'm like, we basically have two more shows of our big noon kickoff show. And then that's it for the, that's probably a wrap for the year. And it's just kind of, just kind of, kind of a little bit crazy to me that we're even at that point that it's gone that, that, you know, we're at this time of the year already. I can't believe that we're going to get through selection Sunday on the 20th. And then first of all, there's a bowl game on the 19th, but then the rest of them start like two days later that, that, for me, part of the calendar, part of the internal calendar is that, you know, you, we, you and me and everybody in this profession, we all, uh, I mean, the last week to 10 days is just such a grind. Uh, and then you get to come up for air and take a little, have a little downtime before the bowls. Not this year. Uh, we'll go straight from one to the other. But again, I keep trying to, you know, people this week, there's been a lot of talk how boring this season is, how boring the playoff race is. And we just have to remind ourselves, I'll take boring over on august 11th we thought there were like losing the ohio state michigan game sucks but on august 11th we were under the impression there would be no big 10 football at all this fall so we just kind of have to count our blessings i'm with you uh all right we will we will come back at you on sunday we always answer emails on that one and we had some great ones this past week Send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.